Welcome to the Huff and Stuff podcast, where common sense is being brought back to our society one episode at a time. Relax. Turn your radio and headphones up. The show starts in three, two, one. Welcome back to the Huff and Stuff podcast. I am your host, Nick Huffstetler, coming to you from the Palmetto State, South Carolina. Want to wish you all a belated happy 4th of July. Hope you all ate a lot of barbecue, shot a lot of fireworks, and celebrated what this country is all about, our freedoms, freedom of government overreach, freedom of choice, and I hope in the future we continue down that vein as we soon approach the November primary elections. Start doing your research on these candidates and go out in November and do your part and vote. Very excited. We released two episodes the week of July the 4th. We released the episode, the interview with Richard White. The title of that is Everybody Was Kung Fu Fighting. On that, we discussed the victimhood mentality, toxic masculinity, being situationally aware of your surroundings, and how to better protect yourself and your family. We also released the episode with a return guest, Mr. J, America the Beautiful. On there, we discussed the history of the Declaration of Independence, as well as the 4th of July and why we celebrate it. I wanted to go back and clarify something on that episode with Mr. J. After we aired it, somebody approached me. Mr. J and I were discussing the actual date the Declaration of Independence was signed. I said on the podcast, July the 2nd, I went back and did some research. Historians are saying it was possibly signed on August the 2nd, not July the 4th. Wanted to go back and reiterate what Mr. J said. Whether it was August the 2nd, July the 4th, it's still a great holiday to celebrate our independence, our freedoms compared to some of the other countries out here. It's a good way to um, show some social interactions with our family our friends and co-workers away to barbecue and shoot fireworks and just celebrate the freedoms of this country. So I hope you were all able to do that and get off of work. Um, like I said in the last episode, the Huff and Stuff podcast has now expanded to the Apple platform. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, the Apple podcast app already comes on the phone when you purchase it. It looks like a purple box with an antenna. If you click on that and type in Huff and Stuff Podcast, you can easily access us there. So we are now on Spotify and Huff and Stuff Podcast. Like I reiterate every episode, if you like what you hear, please share with your family, friends, and coworkers. Um, It's because of you we have expanded. I'm very excited. We've reached almost 200 followers on the Instagram page, and we're right at the peak at 1,000 listens um, on the analytics as far as Spotify and Apple goes. And that's all because of you listening and spreading the word. So if you like what you hear, hopefully they'll get better as they go along. Very excited for some of the upcoming guests we're having. We'll announce those soon here in the future. Keep an eye on the Instagram page. I don't think we've done it yet. I'm going to refer to him as the invisible man, excuse me, the invisible man. His name is Staley. He is the uh, guy who does all the audio for my podcast. He pieces everything together for yours and mine, uh, listening enjoyment. So Staley, I know you're going to do the audio on this. Thank you very much for your help. I could not make all this possible without you. So again, thank you very much. 
keep sending me those pictures of the shopping carts. Um, we're still bringing uh, awareness to laziness. The only thing I have not yet received is photos of potholes. If you're a South Carolina resident, you know we probably have some of the worst roads in the country. If you see a pothole, snap a picture of it. Um, send it to me, hashtag Huff and Stuff Podcast, as well as SCDOT, as well as the street address and numerics. Once I get those, we'll post them on the page, and I will try to contact SCDOT to have those holes filled to avoid less tires being flattened and vehicles broken down the side of the road due to poor road conditions. So keep sending me those pictures if you have them. If you see a hole in the road, take a road, uh, picture of it and send it to me, and we'll, like I said, we'll make the DOT aware of it as well. We'll post a picture on the Instagram page. All right, without further delay, we're going to go ahead and dive into this episode. We are seeing in our current culture the inflation prices. Um, we've seen it before. We're seeing it again. The housing market has skyrocketed. Uh, gas prices have risen as well as food prices. And the solution for our government is to create more stimulus checks, to print more money, and to create more welfare programs. And little do people realize what the government is doing. We are going to be paying for that dearly in the future uh, with all the debt that's been accrued. And you and I will be paying for that as well as our children for years to come down the road. It all goes down to budgeting finances as money, which people do not like discussing. We also know that money and finances and budgeting is a key factor in why people get a divorce in this country. You have a husband possibly who's a spender and you have the wife who's a saver and they can't find a middle ground and they end up getting divorced over it. So we know finances and money is a big issue in this country as far as divorce rates go. And that's why I've asked my guest today to join us, Mr. John Searcy. Mr. Searcy is somebody I've known personally for the last 15 years. Um, he is a personal friend of mine, mentor of mine. I've gone to him over the years in regards to financial issues and other issues in my life very articulate, very intelligent. Um, he is also a great teacher and can break it down simplistically. I've asked him uh, a couple days ago to get some things together to just talk about the basic concepts of money, investing, budgeting. He has um, worked as a banker over the years as well as been a financial advisor, well-rounded. And without further delay, Mr. Searcy, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, Nick, Nick it is my pleasure to uh, be with you today to talk about finance. Uh, it is something that is on everyone's mind. As you mentioned, we're seeing inflation we haven't seen in 40 years. There are a lot of people who weren't alive Correct. when we saw this level of inflation. Uh, interest rates, mortgage interest rates, for example, are five and a half, six percent. That used to be a normal mortgage rate, right. but uh, recently it had gotten as low as two, two and a half percent. So people are concerned about that. Uh, what's going on in the housing market right now? It's slowing a little bit because interest rates are moving up. Mortgage interest rates are moving up. And so the economy, it affects everyone. Uh, inflation, you mentioned inflation, and there are a lot of reasons for that, and maybe we can get into that. You actually touched on probably the biggest one, and that is over the last two years, the government has created $6 trillion. Well, you create that much money, right. and you don't have a lift in productivity, everything is going to be more expensive, right. not to mention what's happening with the supply chain, 
and a number of other things. So finance is important to everyone. It affects us every day. Right. And I am very excited to have an opportunity to have a great dialogue with you on what's going on. And I'd like to start with um, some things that I think all of your listeners will find helpful as they look at finance. And these are core principles that are found in the Bible, right. in the Word of God, and they're applicable in every situation. If the economy is great, if the economy is struggling, it really doesn't matter. These principles are always applicable, and I think your listeners will find them helpful. Uh, the first one I want to share is the concept of stewardship. The fact that really we don't own anything. The Lord owns it all. Right. And we are his stewards or his trustees. And there's many scriptures to support that concept. So when you think about it that way, as a trustee, you're going to treat something uh, perhaps with a little more care um, as because you've got to answer to the owner. The second one is he's allowed us to have this, but the tithe belongs to him. And the tithe, it, it's a word that just means a tenth or 10%. And when you think about our tax rates and other things, 10% is a very low rate. Right. Uh, and that, it, that belongs to the Lord. Offerings belong to the Lord. And I found personally uh, that the 85% that I retain ends up going a lot farther than 100% if I don't honor him. Uh, the third concept is the Bible teaches us that the borrower is servant to the lender. And so debt is something that, and you even touched on it in your opening comments, that is something that can be dangerous. It can create bondage. Uh, and so perhaps we can get into that a little more because what the Bible defines as debt isn't necessarily what we might think of as debt. And then finally, uh, the Bible says that if you love silver, you won't be satisfied with silver. In other words, if being rich is your goal, you'll never be satisfied. Sure. And that the, uh, the most important things of, uh, in life uh, are go far beyond that. And, and the Bible does say it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. Not money itself. Money, money is not the root of all evil. The, we need it right. to, sure. to live. Sure. But the love of money is the root of all evil. So those are just some, some basic biblical principles that I think uh, uh, deserve some attention. Sure. And I think, as you mentioned in your opening comments, as, a, as, a, as Americans, we've gotten away from some of those concepts. Sure. And now... The chickens are coming home to roost. Right. I agree. Um, can you go back and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Sure. I'd be glad to. Sure. Um, I, I've, I've been in positions of senior financial leadership. I, I spent much of my early career as a banker. Right. Um, in community banks, in large, large uh, national banks. And then... Uh, shifted over to um, industrial distribution. If, if any of your listeners have ever heard of W.W. Granger uh, Industrial Supply Company, I was the president of a much smaller industrial supply company. Okay. Um, I was the chief financial officer of a college. Okay. And right now I'm the chief financial officer of, of an, an organization, uh, South Carolina Research Authority. 
So, gotcha. so I've I've been involved in in finance, um, and for really my my entire career, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk about it. Well, thank you very much. I like I said, I've always looked to you as a mentor, and like like I told the audience a minute ago, you have a way of making things simplistic and breaking it down, and I think sometimes people need that. And we can have a, like I said, a common communication and dialogue. The art of communication's gone, and everybody's everything's a debate. And like I said, it's just it's we can have this conversation and um, talk about some of these principles. Um, before we go back to the finances, I always try to break it down and give a couple current events currently in our world right now, and I'll, I'll ask your take on it. Sure. Uh, news for this week. Um, <laughs> Sesame Street, our beloved characters on Sesame Street, Big Bird and Elmo. Uh, Elmo got his vaccine. Elmo was supposed to be a three and a half year old puppet. But is this, in your opinion, grooming people for this? Or Ted Cruz calls it government propaganda. Big Bird recently got his <laughs> vaccine back in November. He said his wing hurt. Elmo said it pinched. I mean, what what's next? What are these people trying to push? It, it's really a shame. Uh, I, I do view it as propaganda. Of course, they're appealing to some of the most vulnerable, young, impressionable sure. children. Sure. Uh, and candidly, the young, based on the science, the young really are not the ones at risk. Right. It's the elderly. It's those with health issues. And so um, I... Candidly, I think it's deplorable. I hate to, I hate to see it, um, but um, it is part of what's going on. Well, and they also know kids at that age are like a sponge. They suck up everything, and they know at that age range they they can get in there. And and it, it is. And like I said, it's it's just a push for their their agenda, whatever they got going on. All right. The only other thing I had for today, uh, Jordan Peterson's taken some flack from uh, his comments. Um, We've seen on the news, uh, they've banned him from Twitter unless he apologizes. Um, I don't think that's going to be forthcoming. I, I, I really don't. And my, and my respect for him has greatly increased over the months. I've, uh, he's taken a stand and where a lot of people want, and he's grounded in some of his principles and not budging, and I think that's commendable on his part. Um, so from what, what we know, there was a movie actress named Ellen Page, uh, she had her breast removed and is now uh, Elliot Page, wants to be referred to as Elliot Page. And uh, pretty much the comment that Jordan Peterson made was, you know, pride was a sin. And, you know, is it prideful to do all this? And he's taken flag for it. Um, so, you know, and then it goes into the pronouns of if you're going to use it, he, she, we, they. And, you know, he said, at one at one point, Ellen had breasts, so she was a, she was a female, and that's what we that's what he referred to her as. And he he's he's taken a stand. He said, "No, I mean I'm not going to apologize for what what I said." Um, what's your take on that? Well, I think the cancel culture is alive and well. Yes, um, we've we've come to a point where we cannot have a dialogue about almost anything without. Um, someone being offended and someone canceling someone else. Uh, obviously, uh, for those who follow the science, 
she is a woman. Correct. Uh, even though there's there's question out there, we've got uh, we've got a new Supreme Court justice who could not define what a woman was, even right. though she is one. Right. So uh, uh, it's I mean it's crazy. It's just crazy, and um, I I come back to what the what the Bible says. He made them male and female. Right. Um, that's his definition of marriage, which is the only true definition of marriage. Sure. And uh, it 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 is it it's it's wrong for people uh, not not to accept what the Lord doesn't make any mistakes. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I think it's it's a function of where we are as a society. And um, I think it's a sad commentary. And I do, I do appreciate Jordan Peterson. There, there are a number of issues where uh, I, I, would, I would disagree with Jordan Peterson. Sure. Uh, but I'd love to have a conversation with him. Yes. Uh, and, the, and I think he has shown a lot of courage in, yeah. uh, in what he's done. Sure. All right, Jordan, if you're listening, I commend you for taking a stand. And uh, if this ever progresses to something bigger, we'll... Uh... We'll have you on the episode maybe one day as a guest. Hopefully, we'll get that big one day. Um, let's go ahead and go back to finances. You kind of, what I wanted to break it down to is a practical aspect and a spiritual aspect. You've kind of started off on the spiritual aspect. So let's go back to that. I'm going to let you take over on that um, a little bit, one at a time, those points you had there. And if there's anything else you want to elaborate on, on that, go ahead. Sure. A, a couple of couple of things. Um, I, I want to talk about the definition of debt. Okay. Because someone might be saying, well, John, do you have a mortgage? Do you have a car loan? Right. Uh, I do have a mortgage. I, I happen to have a car loan. I, I hadn't had one for many years, but um, I currently have one that's almost paid off. Good um, uh, yeah, a true, uh, I'd say a biblical definition of debt is when you owe more than what it is you're borrowing against. Okay. So, um, for for example, if someone has credit card debt, they probably can't point to an asset right. that they purchased with that. Sure. So that would be a situation where that would really be debt. Right. Um, candidly, for years, um, car loans were considered debt because generally you drive the car off the lot. And it's usually worth significantly less unless Appreciate you put a large down payment, which sure. uh, we, we were able to put a significant down payment. So we weren't in that situation. Of course, the market right now is used cars have exploded in value uh, because of the lack of chips, supply chain issues, things like that. And so... Um, so instead of depreciating, now they might increase when you drive them off. Well, yeah, yeah it, it's, it was incredible. I, I went out to Edmunds.com, uh, and our Pacifica van is almost worth what we paid for it, right. which is astounding to me right. uh, and, and not normal and not anything that we're counting on going forward. So, so with that in mind, uh, the recognition that there, there is a place uh, for, because it's hard to save up enough to buy a home. Right. Uh, it's hard to save up enough to buy a new car um, <laughs> or a used car these days. So understanding that dynamic and understanding that depending on the interest rate that you're paying, in effect, that's kind of a pay cut. Right. Because 
I mean, even if it's a relatively low rate, that's two or three or five percent that is not going towards the equity in your home or or your car, um, but that you're having to pay to use that money uh, to get that item now as opposed to later. Sure. And I, I think the issue that that raises is our ability and our willingness to have the discipline to save either for a significant down payment or to save before we purchase things because with the advent of plastic and, and candidly easy credit, and I was a banker for 20 years, so I understand the whole credit thing, um, that has gotten people in, into a lot of bad habits. And um, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but sure. do, you, do you agree that the culture we're living in now, it's a wanting it now culture? They don't want to wait, they want it now, it's quick. Do you, do you see that? I, th I think as humans, that is our tendency unless we're, we're mentored and trained sure. differently. Right. And there's a price to be paid if we want, if we pay for it now. Right. One of the nefarious things about these low interest rates, and we can talk about that if you like, because they were engineered by the Federal Reserve. Okay and have been a key impetus to what we're seeing now in terms of inflation, malinvestment, and all kinds of things. With interest rates that low, the price to be paid wasn't commensurate with what the price really was. Right. I mean, the Fed could say, oh, interest rates are 1%. We all knew interest rates weren't 1%. The market told us interest rates weren't 1%, but they would not allow them to go to the market. And so to to borrow or things like that, it wasn't as painful. Right. And so people got into the habit of wanting now, wanting now, wanting now, and acting on it. Again, our desire is to have it now, but then when you realize, ooh, I don't want to have to pay that right. extra. Now, credit card interest rates have been high and people have run up their, their cards. Some of that is just poor underwriting on the part of the banks right. because they can say, we can, we can lend all this money, and uh, even if we have to write off a portion of it, we're still going to be well ahead. The other thing is people got into the habit of borrowing via student loans. Right, and that's where it starts at. It Came and, out of college and already in debt, $20,000, $30,000. And I mean, when I first started in banking, I ran our student loan program. Sure. And it, it ran, I mean, it was different than, than what it is today. Uh, and like I said, I was the vice president and chief financial officer of a college. And when I would sit down with students, I would encourage them, get, get the extra job. Do, it's easy to sign that student loan. Sure. It's very difficult to pay it back. Right. Because unless you get a reasonably good job right out of school, that is going to be a burden, a millstone around your neck for a lot of years. How long is, well, you working in that sector, how, student loans are usually, what, 20 years? Or they, they can be, there's there's federal student loans, so those right. are the ones that they're talking about forgiving, yeah. which is sort of, not sort of, it's a slap in the face to those who have paid them back or are in the process of paying them back, right. that are, have done the right thing, right. or that didn't borrow at all. Right. But, but be that as may, there's, there's federal 
student loans, and then there are private lenders. And, and the, the terms vary, mm -hmm. but they can be up, up to 20 years. Wow. I think they can even be longer, longer than that, depending on the amount that's being borrowed and, and that sort of thing. And from but, what you've seen, that's generally where it starts. That, that is, that obviously is, is an area where they get a significant amount of debt. And then frequently, maybe their first car, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's a misunderstanding in terms of building up your credit. Mm -hmm. People think I've got to borrow money to build your credit. That's really not true. Right. Uh, getting a good job. Right. Um, paying all your bills timely, really the, the main, the two drivers for your credit score are how you pay your bills. Mm -hmm. Do you always pay them on time? And candidly, how much debt you've got. Right, right. <laughs> and the lower, obviously, the, the better your score is going to be. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot of misinformation about that sort of thing. And, uh, but it, it, a lot of times it does start with student loans. I'm trying not to put the cart ahead of the horse. I, I listen to Dave Ramsey sometimes. Sometimes I agree with things he says. Sometimes he don't. He he says that you don't necessarily have to have a credit score to buy a house. I, I don't see any way of getting around that. I don't know if there's... Well, it probably depends on what your down payment is. Right. It depends if you've got a relationship with a banker. Right. I mean, as a banker, um, candidly, I, I didn't have to apply for the first several really? home loans because I, I was an executive of a bank. So sure. it was part of the deal. Um, yeah, I, candidly, I, I agree with you on, on Dave Ramsey. Again, many of his principles are biblical principles. Correct. Can't argue with that. Um, he's, uh, his style is, is not my cup of tea. Okay. Um, but it doesn't negate any of the truth that he's telling. Uh, yeah, he's 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 big into the no debt, including no mortgage, things like that, which is definitely something to aspire to. Right. I, I mean, I I I support that, but I I do think there there are um, there are opportunities that you can take advantage of uh, using using borrowed money again in a principled way uh, that that uh, will will help. Okay. Um, I, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I have never had a credit card. Now, what I did to establish my credit in the beginning, I went to a credit union, put $500 away and every month I would pay that bill off. I would use that for gas, for food. And that's how I established credit to begin with. We get stuff in the mail every day from credit card companies. What is your advice on that? Stay away from credit cards. What other way is there to build credit? And Dave Ramsey's a big debit card guy. That, yes, which is which is fine. There, right. There's, I mean, that's that's a great great approach. I think it's prudent. Again, it has to be done with discipline, but sure. I think it's appropriate for someone to have a credit card. The example you gave, Nick, yes. about essentially having a secured loan right? because they've got the savings money to back up that account. And then you pay it off every month. You're building up your history of being someone that can be trusted right. with right. that. I think, I think that's totally appropriate. Uh, a, a rule as it relates to credit cards, 
make sure in your budget, and I want to talk a little bit about sure. budgeting if you think that would be yeah, appropriate, yeah. but make sure in your budget that you can pay off your credit card in its entirety every cycle. I got you. Never carry uh -huh. over, never pay them a dime right. of interest. Right. Make make sure you are a loser for them. Sure. Because you'll be you'll be a winner for for yourself and, and your family. Uh, because that one missed, you know, if paying the minimum is a recipe for disaster. Right. Because you'll you'll never pay it off. Right. Um, so Okay. Um, what else you got? Well, um, let's let's talk a little bit about budgeting. Okay. It's a it's a concept that um, you mentioned finances being a point of contention between a husband and a wife. Right. That is so true. That is so true. Um, and that's one of the reasons why if the husband and wife can agree on these basic principles, sure. that that eliminates a lot of that. Not all of it. Right. Because we are all wired differently. Sure. Um, my wife is, um, she's very giving and generous. And prior to, and we've been married for 44 years, prior to my being with her, I was a notorious tightwad. Okay. There's a balance there where I've brought her a little, little my way, and I've definitely gone a good ways her way. You found a middle ground. Found, found a middle ground, which generally that is the appropriate place to be. Right. Um, you know, neither one of the ditches, you want to you wanna be on the straight and narrow. Um, so at, as, it, as it relates to, to budgeting, coming, coming to terms with understanding, okay, here, here is our income. Now, what are our priorities? For example, tithe and offering, that's on, that's on the gross. That's on the total, not your net, but your gross. That is non-negotiable. That, that gets taken care of right away because you cannot get God. When right. you honor him, he, he, will, he will bless abundantly. So then with the, in our example, with the remaining 85%, what are your priorities? Well, you've got some fixed commitments in terms of it might be a mortgage, might be a car loan, you've got utilities, you've got, and then it comes to things that where you have more discretion, sure. like food. Right. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, I went to Aldi on Saturday. What typically would have cost me $29 cost me $39. Yeah. Well, guess what? My budget better have that increase sure. in there. And that $10 is going to come from something. Right. And it's probably going to come from something discretionary, like a gift or, or something else where it's not a mandatory expense, but it's something that um, you'd have to flex on. Same is true with gas. And my wife's got an electric hybrid. And so she's getting, depending on the cycle, she's getting between 100 and 200 miles to the gal gasoline gallon. Wow. Uh, I get about 33 or 34 in a, in a Lexus hybrid. But still, it used to be I would fill up for $17. Yeah. Now it's $30. Right. And so that money has got to come from somewhere. So you need, I guess, getting back to the whole budgeting concept is budgeting tends to be a concept or an idea that raises people's blood pressure. They're like, Ooh, I don't want to talk about the budget. 
The budget is nothing more than spending the money on paper before you actually spend it. Right. And setting a direction and setting a priority. Sure. And one thing, and I think this is another key concept as it relates to finance. Finance is not about math. Finance, it, there's a lot of math in it, right. but it's not about math. It's about your heart and it's about your mind. Sure. And so math, people tend to get all tensed up when it comes to things related right. to math. They should not. View the budget as your friend. View the budget as we're going to spend it on paper before we actually spend it. And we're going to find out now, okay, we've got some areas here that we need to think about and we need to come to a meeting of the minds and say that is a priority, that is not a priority. Right. Um, one question I've written down that probably go along with this, it, and it may be a bizarre question, but when is a good time to start saving when you have debt? That, that is a great question. It depends on the type of saving. If you have an opportunity well, let me stop there because most people, when they graduate, their next step in life is I got to get this job, I got to start paying these loans off. But, you know, it's that's in the back of their mind already. But when's a good time to start? No, that again, great, great question. The The first form of savings is is your your safety fund. Okay. Essentially should be somewhere between three and six months of your expenses that you've got there that you can you can draw on if something untoward so would happen your emergency fund three right? to three to six months three to six months of your typical operating expenses okay. for your household whatever your budget is for that month three to six months put away that's your emergency fund. That, that's your emergency fund okay and that should be put into a savings account even if it doesn't make any interest, right? That should not be put into the market, okay? Because you want to preserve that principle sure. for your emergency fund. Uh, so that that's your that's your first first thing. Uh, secondly, if and and maybe you've got some student loan debts, maybe you needed to buy a car and you couldn't pay for it all at once. Um, if through your employer you have an opportunity with a 403B or 401K that has a match, you should always max out. You should always defer whatever it takes to get that match. Right. Um, I had that written down further. Break it down for everybody out here listening. Most people probably know what it is. Can you tell us the differentiation between a 401 and a 457? Okay. I know good. most of the time you're... you're you're, the job you work for pretty much will offer that majority of the time, but just explain to people out there the difference between those two. Okay. The, the 401k is, is what's known as an ERISA plan. So it's under the guidance. There's a, there's a federal law that governs it, which restricts the amount that, that you can put into it, right. but you're doing it generally tax deferred. Okay. So, you're, you're basically taking pre-tax dollars, putting it into there. It's building up tax deferred, and then you pay tax when you withdraw it. Okay. Now, there's also the Roth 401k, mm -hmm. which you're putting the money in after tax. It's building up tax deferred, and when you withdraw it, you don't pay tax. Okay. And so for, for young people, I would encourage them 
to do the Roth. The Roth IRA. Do the Roth. Um, regardless of, because a lot of people say, well, the tax rates now are higher than they will be then or lower. It doesn't matter. There's so much time between now and when you retire, that tax-free buildup of all that and then not having to pay tax when you retire, the Roth is a no-brainer. It, it was not available until I was candidly so old that I could not get the math to work. Gotcha. Because for me to take advantage of the Roth, I would have to take my, my 401k pre-tax, basically pay tax on it, mm -hmm. And then move it over to the Roth. Gotcha. Well, when I looked at what it was going to do to me or do to us, right. um, I just I couldn't get the math to work. So that's the 401k tax deferral. A 457B, you don't get the tax deferral on, on that. Okay. But you're able, the limits, there are no limits, really. And correct me if I'm wrong, on a 401, there's certain stipulations that you can only pull out of the 401. The 457, I don't think you have to have a technically a reason to pull out. That That's one of them. Also, there are age restrictions. Okay. Like on a 401k, 59 and a half, if you pull out before 59 and a half, sure. not only do you pay the tax on it, you pay a 10% penalty. Okay. Uh, or a 457, that, that's not... That's not the gotcha. case. Gotcha. Um, it, it's not governed by ERISA. It's it is tax advantage. I think I might have misspoke earlier. It is tax advantage. There's there's no match right. generally with a 457. Um, but also, as you said, it's a lot more flexible. As far in, as getting the money in terms in terms of on. yeah, where it doesn't have to be a hardship withdrawal. It doesn't have to be for a down payment on a mortgage, things like that that are involved in a 401k. Now, I mentioned 403b. A 403b is a 401k for a nonprofit. Okay. So, for example, when I was at the college, 403b. SCRA, 403b. That's it. When, when I was in, the, in banking or when I was at Petter Supply Company, it was a 401k. Gotcha. But from what you've seen, you would suggest to young people who are listening to do the Roth IRA. That's what you would I, I would, I would start. Now, there's going to be some upfront pain there because they're they're basically going to be depositing or, or it won't be a tax deferral. They'll be putting after tax dollars into that. Right. But based on where they are in terms of their tax rate and other things and, and the long term, you know, 30, 40 years from now. Um, that that would definitely be my solid recommendation. Okay. Um, and if I could real quickly, sure, yeah, in terms of what, because people are, what do I invest in yes. once I'm in one of these plans? Right. My strong recommendation would be to take advantage of a target date fund. This is, in effect a layered fund of both equities and bonds, so fixed income and equities. It's professionally managed, and I would strongly urge people to get the target date fund that's, that's based on index funds underneath it, not actively managed, but index funds. For example, the S&P 500. That index fund is just made up of the S&P 500 stocks. Right. That's it, that's it. The cost of that fund, for example, I'm, I'm in a target date fund with Vanguard. 
I'm paying eight basis points. That's eight one hundredths of one percent. Gotcha. Virtually zero gotcha. for that. If you pay, if if you're getting an actively managed fund, you're probably paying a hundred basis points, which is one percent. Okay. So right out of the chute, I'm making not, almost a full percent more than somebody who's getting it. Their actively managed fund has to do at least one percent better just to match okay. what I'm doing. Gotcha. And the beauty of the target date fund is as, and the target date is your targeted retirement date. So it could be 2055 or 2060 or whatever. Based on that, that fund morphs over time. In other words, now it could be like 90% stocks and 10% bonds. And over time, for example, mine right now is 56% equity, 44% bonds, because I'm going to be 66 years old. Sure. And but it's still a, a nice mix there. It automatically rebalances, which means it sells high and buys low. It and, and eight basis points. You're getting all that for eight basis points. So it's an amazing deal. Okay. Um, while we're on the subject too, we live in a culture too. I think where we want to jump on the first train. We see dollar signs and. What is your take on this new thing, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin? Me personally, if it's not tangible and I can't see it, I'm not. It's, it's like a the snake charmer coming through town to sell them the, the elixir medicine. It's going to cure all your ails. Um, we're seeing people are losing money in this. What, what, what's, what's your take on the Bitcoin, cryptocurrency? What is your take on it? I'm going to start by sharing and, and I, I want your listeners to know. I've made many mistakes. I'm not sitting here as someone right. who's done everything right. right. And one of the mistakes I've made was I was involved in some investments that I really didn't understand. Okay. They were counter-cyclical, commodity, this or that. And really my performance was horrible. Okay. And I came to the point was to the point, and I've shared this with lots of people. Don't invest in anything that you don't understand or that you're not comfortable with. Right. One thing I've never done, I've never been big in real estate. Okay. Not that real estate isn't a great thing. Your family is a testament sure. to how great real estate can be. But it's illiquid. When you want to sell it, you can't. Um, I just, I'm, I'm not handy, so I can't fix things. So real estate is something I've stayed away from. Right. Now, to your to your, your point about crypto, uh, I remember late 2016, early 2017, it was all the rage. Um, I viewed it as a fad. I don't know that it's a fad, but we're seeing a tremendous shakeout right now. I mean, there are there are crypto funds that will not honor withdrawals. Right. They will not honor withdrawals. When that was done in banking, that was called a run on the bank. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and the other thing is not all crypto is created equal. I mean, it, there's there's all kinds of sure. variants of it. Frankly, I stayed away from it. People yeah. approached me. I said, um, I would be very cautious, very careful. Uh, you know, it hit Bitcoin hit 62,000. Now it's about 20. Again, if you if you bought it at a thousand, you're still doing sure, doing sure. well. I think it's not really apparent how crypto is traded. Right. And when there's 
when it's opaque or you can't really see behind the curtain on how it, you don't know who's trading what. Sure. Um, so I, I guess my, my take is in any case, probably devote 5% or less of your portfolio to it, Okay. but be prepared to lose it all. In other gotcha. words, don't, don't look at that and say, that's going to be my ticket to riches because I mean, that's another biblical concept Sure. that, um, Again, he, he who loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver. That's the scripture in Ecclesiastes. And if if getting rich quick is your goal, you will fail. Right. You will absolutely right. fail. It's a it's it's a it's a given. It's been um, proven time and time again. Time and time again. So that that should not be be anybody's goal. Um, and obviously, people got in early. That done because they're probably out. Right, they probably got out. Right, but um, personally, uh, I I, w I wouldn't recommend much of a commitment to it. One more question while we're on these different topics here: uh, What's your take on the stock market? Is it a form of gambling? Did I mean it's not so much? You know, it, there is risk. There's risk in a lot of things, like you said. Uh, what's your take on the stock market? Well, one. I'm high on the American economy. Okay. And things like the S&P 500 are a bellwether or an indicator of how the American economy is doing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I don't have a lot of international exposure. I've got some. Uh, I don't have any Chinese exposure as far as I know. And that's for moral reasons as well as investment reasons. Sure. I mean, I can tell you 10 or 15 years ago, I had an investment advisor that was pushing me. China's where to be the place to be. I said, no, they murder babies. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Their economy may be great, but I, I don't want to have anything to do with it. The, the, the stock market, people talk about the stock market as a monolith. Um, and, and by monolith, I mean, it's like it's one entity. There are many different segments in the stock market. That's the genius of the S&P 500. You're buying 500 different stocks. Right. I, I, so so from my understanding that, that you said S&P 500? S&P 500, yeah, is standard that, is, is that sort of like a mutual fund They're, type thing where they just invest your money in different, different things? Big, excellent point, and I probably should have... Should have made that clear. There are S and S and P that's Standard and Poor's 500. Those are the 500 largest companies outside of the Dow. Okay. The Dow Industrial Average that's 30 companies. Okay. So obviously that's more concentrated. It's not as diversified. Right. As 500. Sure. And S and P 500 and S and P 500 index fund. All they do is they buy those 500. Stocks. Gotcha. So any any given day, week, month, year, some of those stocks may be doing really well. Sure. Others maybe not so much. You've got all the sectors. You've got finance, industrial, transportation. You know, durables, um, consumables. You've got all the economic sectors represented there, and you're not betting as. I mean, you're, you're betting on America sure. is the way I, I look at it. Right. And, and I like that bet. I like, I like 
in general, mm-hmm. our work ethic. I like our innovation. Candidly, if there was significantly less government <laughs> and right. more freedom, sure, they would do even better. Right. Um, but uh, I so so from that standpoint, and and I've I've stayed in the market. Th- this year has been horrible. Right. <laughs> in terms of the both the bond market and the stock market. Sure. Uh, the way the bond market works is when interest rates go up, the value of your bonds go down because you've got them maybe at 2% and now they're paying 3%. Guess what? You'd have to sell yours at a discount right. to get somebody to right. buy right. it to make 3%. Gotcha. And so uh, it's, been a, it's been a double-edged um, negative. But what I, what I tell everyone is I've yet to lose a dime in this market. Gotcha. And the reason is... I've not sold anything. Well, and that was another question I had written down too. I know we're kind of going back and forth. Um, no, I, I love this, the dialogue. This, um, we recently went through the pandemic. Um, anything like we've seen before for quite a while, 2000, we had the 9-11 attacks. That lasted a couple months. People kind of panicked then. But a lot of people in the last year, year and a half, withdrew money out of the stock market. Um, they were losing money. They, they thought the economy was going to collapse and we're – maybe on the verge of a recession still. Um, do you suggest they put money back in the market currently as far as if they pulled out other stocks? Or do, you, do you suggest they try to put back in and invest again currently or the way our world is right now? Well, here's here's a principle. One, you got to sleep at night. Sure. And if you are investing in something that is keeping you up, it's, it's not, not worth, worth it. it. It's absolutely not worth Good it. Point. So. So when if when people have called me and talked to me about this, I said, "Can you sleep at night? If you can, I'd say stay hey, in stay stay, stay the it. stay the course." The other thing is there might be obligations that they need to meet. They, I mean, there might be a liquidity sure. event, right? By, and by by that I mean the need for cash that they need to pull out of the market. Um, those are all valid valid reasons. Um, in in my case, I wasn't in any of those situations, and I was sleeping fine. Sure. So uh, because I I knew it was gonna it was gonna bounce back. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, it went to t- the S and P five hundred index or or fun S and P five hundred number went from went from twenty one hundred to forty eight hundred. Wow. Now now it's like thirty eight hundred. So it's okay. dropped significantly. Sure. But it's still significantly higher than 2100. Yes. So um, in terms of timing, um, I've never been able to time the market. Right. Anybody who says they can time the market, I'm like, what else are you going to lie to me about? Right. Because you can't time the market. It's all about the poker face. (laughs) No (laughs) one to hold them, no one to hold them. That's right, which I don't have. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think think there are... There's probably, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. In one sense, I am buying because I'm in a 403B. Okay. So every two weeks, I've got money going into the market. Now it's, you know, it's not $50,000. Sure, sure. Um, but there's, there's a concept called dollar cost averaging, mm-hmm. where if you're just consistently buying the market at any given time, you're going to end up doing well. Another study, and this one's a little dated, but they, they, they looked at the stock market over 10 years. They took out 
the 50 best days. And, and the stock market over 10 years had an average return of about 10.2%. Okay. They took out the top 50 days. That number dropped to like 7.2%. Wow. They took out the next 50 days. That number dropped to like 4.2%. So 100 days out of 3,650 3, days. So what that tells me, stay in the market. I can't guess when those top sure. 50 or 100 are going to sure. be. Sure. So I'm maybe people are smart enough to do that. I'm not. Okay. So just stay in the market. I don't think this is necessarily a bad time. Um, there, there easily could be some additional dips. I think in many respects, the economy is going to get worse yeah. before it gets better. Sure. But we've also seen where the, the stock market is a leading indicator. It's not a lagging indicator. It's it, because it's always focused on the future. Right. And we've seen some nice, nice today, for example, it's a very strong, strong day in the market. Um, their concern is that we're, we're going to be in a recession. I think we're already in a yeah, recession. I agree. Because a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GMP. Obviously, you don't know that till you've already been through it. I think I think we're already we're already right there. Um, I'm hopeful that no more bad things will happen. Right. Governmental wise, sure. um, you know the the stimulus that was passed in January. Tremendous disaster. Yeah. Tremendous disaster. And we're we're going to be paying that paying for that for years. And there's rumors going around there's going to be a fifth stimulus check. I just. That, that's the government's solution. Let's just print more money and put us in more debt. And like you said, we're going to be paying for this for years and years down the road. That, I mean, that's an obvious economic uh, truth that there's no free lunch. Sure. Um, and the thing is, the, the economy had been inflated or inflating for some time, but our productivity growth was sufficient. Our you know, and unemployment, we had record low unemployment across the board right. prior to to the, the COVID. Right. Um, again, I think, uh, and, and many things that President Trump did, I mean, I'll, I'll just say this, maybe not politically correct. Sure. Not necessarily a good person, right. but a good president. Good businessman. Good, and, and his policies, I mean, Middle Eastern peace. Um, our economy was incredibly strong. Our military was strong. All those things. And good Supreme Court justices. And <laughs> Thank which, God. which probably it's was right. his greatest is going to be his greatest legacy, which is a great point, and I should have I should have made it. But what was done, turning everything over to Dr. Fauci, yes. that's that's unprecedented Trump. That's unprecedented Trump, and that that was a huge mistake. The lockdown turned out to be a horrible mistake, um, and we're paying for that still. Sure. Uh, and so, so then then bring in the new administration. XL pipeline shut down, drilling stopped. We were energy independent. We're not energy independent anymore. Sure, we're going to Venezuela. Yeah. To get oil. We're going to tyrants to think, get oil. That that is and, and we're calling the CEOs of our oil companies tyrants. Lower, lower the prices. And, 
<laughs> obviously, the, he was not an economics major. Correct. That, that's clear in, in his, I mean, but, but that, that gets passed off as sound economic policy. Sure. Uh, you've got the Fed. I mean, and I'm, I'm not necessarily a big Jerome Powell fan, but he's doing his best. Um, it, it's, it's an impossible job. Right. And, and uh, again, 1913, the amendment that created the Federal Reserve, we could talk about that. Sure, sure. Uh, part, of our, part of our issue here. Um, but um, it, it, there's, there's been so many horrible policy decisions, not to mention what happened in Afghanistan. I mean, that basically set up what's going on in the Ukraine. Sure. And I'll tell you, this inflation was here before the war. Yes. With, with between Russia and Ukraine. Right. They love to blame it on that. I'm not saying that hasn't had an impact, but that is not what's driving our current inflationary right. situation. So, um, so back to your original question about stock market, I, th I think this would not necessarily be a bad time to, again, buy an index. Sure. The, buy, people like to buy individual stocks. Oh, I've got Apple. I've got whatever, um, you would have to have such a large portfolio to be appropriately diversified that having individual stocks, that is, is that's gambling. Right. I got you. Um, but let's go back to the first thing we talked about. Anything else on budgeting? Uh, budgeting. Anything um, else you'd like to add well, on that? Pr priorities. Um, view it as your friend. Okay. Be flexible. Don't beat yourself up. If if you miss it, in a right. month, if you miss it in a month, and some people throw up their hands, oh, well, why should I even have a budget? No, 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 no. Sure. No, just because you missed it in, in one month or you missed it in one area or something. Like that. I'll, I'll tell you, utility costs sure. are starting to, <laughs> they've got my attention now. Yeah. Um, other things like that that weren't necessarily part of what I thought I was going to be looking at. So be flexible. Don't use it as a club. It's not, uh, you know, uh, something where one spouse can use it as a weapon against another. It should never be that. It should be a tool. Tug of war, sure. Right. It should never be a tug of war. It should always be a tool. It should be something. Uh, again, it's an opportunity to talk about what's important to you. Because yeah. if you look at someone's checkbook, you'll know what's important to them. Sure, sure. And, and so... Um, and, and the other thing is build in cushion. Don't, don't budget, don't budget down to the dollar or the $10 or the hundred dollars even. Leave yourself some flex room there because things are going to come up. Situations sure. are, are going to arise and you need that flexibility to, right. to be able and, and realize, okay, we missed it this month. What can we do? together to make it make up, up. Ne next month. Sure. And it, I mean, it, it should be something that draws a couple together. Give and take. Exactly right. Exactly right. right. All right, y'all. We're going to take a break for a minute. We'll be right back. We'll uh, conclude with some more pointers here in just a few minutes. And we'll talk about some more of the spiritual aspects of finances. We'll be back with y'all in just a minute. Okay.
All right, y'all, welcome back to the Huff and Stuff podcast. We're doing this episode on finances. It's going to be the second segment. We're going to get back into the interview with Mr. Searcy. We were talking about budgeting, and I'm going to let you take over. What else you want to talk about, Mr. Searcy? Go ahead. Well, Nick, thank, thank you. Uh, one thing that I, I meant to mention uh, near the outset was people sometimes don't understand what their biggest asset is. They think of it as their home. Uh, maybe it's they think of it as their portfolio. Maybe... You know, maybe they've got a Porsche or something like that. But essentially, your single biggest asset is your earning power. Okay. Your earning power now and your earning power over time. Right. And so protecting that earning power is really important. One way you do that is through insurance, your okay. health insurance, also your lifestyle. Sure. All those things... You know, the Bible even tells us that the Lord gave us health so that we could create wealth. And so um, protecting that asset is very, very important. And it's a good segue into the whole concept of insurance. Uh, unfortunately, I think over time, uh, our, our view of insurance has been skewed. Okay. Uh, when Medicare came in, uh, the advent of co-pays, things like that people really did not understand what things were actually costing. They would see their doctor and they would pay a copay of $14. Oh, that's what a doctor visit costs. No, that is not what a right, doctor visit right. costs. They would have a formulary for their prescription medicine and they would pay uh, $12 for that medicine. And the medicine might cost $60 or $70, but they pay $12. Well, obviously, that gets you into habits sure. because you don't really know what things are actually costing. Right. And so that has been one of the reasons that our insurance and really medical costs have skyrocketed. The most recent number that I saw was a what they call trend, which is the, the trajectory of these costs, 11%. I've never seen a double digit trend in my life. Right. Generally the trend, you know, was maybe 6%, 11%. So, when it com comes to insurance, one, if you work for a firm or an enterprise uh, and they offer that insurance, be thankful because group plans are much less expensive than individual plans. Right. There have been times when I've been independent as a consultant, for example, and I was having to buy policies, not in a group situation. Sure. And the, and I'm the telling, prices are skyrocketed. Right, well, the, deduct, the deductibles, deductibles, I had a $5,600 deductible. Um, I mean, for, forget about the copay right. situation. And so um, be thankful for those plans. It may not have everything that you want. I'd say be very careful. The major medical is a no-brainer. Sure. But look, look hard at dental and vision. A lot of people buy vision, and they would be better off putting their money in a flex, okay. you know, a, a, a FSA, pre-tax. Right. And and essentially paying for that with those dollars rather than paying the premium. Okay. Once you pay the premium, you'll never see that money again. Right. If you're buying glasses every two years, you can put money in that flex account 
and you'll have money available to buy those glasses and have money left over. Right. It depends on the premium and that sort of thing. But in my experience, self-insurance on things like vision makes a lot of sense. Dental, um, where, where I work, there are two options. There's sort of the base and then there's the advanced option. Generally, what I've done is I've gone with the base, put the money aside in the flex, paid the additional out-of-pocket that was required, and I, I was saving about four or $500 a year. Gotcha. For this year, I knew that we were going to be doing some things that were going to be more costly. Right. So <laughs> I went with the better plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've got you know more coverage, and it's, it's better. So don't just routinely sign up for insurance without considering your situation and definitely take advantage of the flex. Okay. If, if you have the opportunity to do a high deductible plan, right. um, you get, you'd have an opportunity to do uh, a medical savings account on top of that, okay. which is really helpful because that is portable. That's that's like a medical 401k. Right. Um, so definitely look into that. One, it'll let you know what things really cost because that first, whatever that deductible is, you're going to be paying out of your pocket. I remember the first one I had, January, um, you know, had a, had a prescription. It was $165. I had no idea it was $165. Now, it doesn't mean I wouldn't have gotten that prescription, but a knowledgeable consumer is always better. Sure. Than someone who really doesn't understand. Gotcha. Um, life insurance, you should have eight to 10 times your annual comp if you've got a family, okay. even if you don't have a family. But if you have a family, you should have eight to 10 times your annual compensation in life insurance. There's some great level term policies out there where you could get a 15-year, 20-year, I think they even have a 25-year where it's a level term, especially young people. Nick, in your situation, with your health, you could get a 25-year and a million-dollar policy, and you'd be paying very little for it now for, for the next every month for the next right. 25 years, but you've got it locked in. Sure. We've we've got um, our youngest son, who is now 25, well, when he was born, I, I bought a 20-year level term because okay. I was 40 years old. And I'm like, if something happens to me in the next 20 years, I want him taken care of. Sure. And so, and I mean, what I was paying for that policy was a pittance compared to what I would have paid had I not done it with a level term because the level refers to the premium. Right. The premium does got not, it locked in then. It, you, you have it locked in. And those those premiums are still extraordinarily low. I mean, a, about 12 years ago, um, I did a 15-year level term. So when you when you think when you think stuff got thunderstorm. When you think about 12 years ago, I was over 50 years old. Right. Locked in a great premium. Sure. And um, and and a, a nice policy so that if something were to happen me, to me over the next fifteen years, so so level term, stay away from whole life. Okay. Whole life is a combination of investment and insurance. Okay. Buy the investment, take the difference. I, I mean, buy the insurance, take the difference, and invest it. Gotcha. Together, it's it doesn't make it doesn't make much sense. So eight to ten times your annual salary. 
right. life insurance. Would be would be a guideline. Now, depending on your budget, maybe you can only do six or something like that. Do something. Sure. Um, often your employer will have a benefit. My current employer, I get two times my annual comp just as p- part of my benefit package. Okay. So that's a that's a wonderful, wonderful benefit. Often it's one times your comp. Yeah, and just for y'all that are listening, I know some of the uh, state jobs, uh, state employees, you know, every year you have open enrollment. Just don't just skim through that. Really get down there and see what they're offering on those benefits, life insurance, dental vision, um, just like Mr. Searcy said. Um, so anyway. I'm no, no back that's, that's a great, great point. Um, and then homeowners, obviously, and auto. Auto. There are opportunities to save depending on the vehicle. Obviously, if you if you have got a loan, you're going to have to have full coverage. Sure. That's required. Sure. But um, I've got a I've got a 2009 Odyssey van. It's very functional, but um, we we basically have the max liability on it, and that's it. Nothing else is covered. If if something happens, um, that's the way it goes. Right. But my premium is really low. Yeah. The other thing is on the liability, don't go with the minimum liability. Okay. Go with the 300, 150, or go with the 500, 250. Go with a high, high liability because that is going to protect you in in a in a dire situation, sure. um, because a lot of these, basically, they're, they're, they, you think you're saving premium, but you're really doing it on the liability side. Uh, so scrutinize that. Actually, I just had a renewal on our three cars, and it, it went up. And I'm like, because we haven't had any tickets or anything like that, and no accidents. And so I looked at what my coverage was on that Odyssey, and I'm like, that wasn't very smart. Right, right. So I dropped that and basically eliminated any of the increase. Right. So that's something to, to scrutinize. The other thing is on your on your tags, uh, when you get your, your ad valerum tax, your property tax on your cars, sure. um, they're fair in terms of how they value your vehicle. But if you go out to, um, not, not Edmonds, but Kelly Blue Book, you go out to Kelly Blue Book and you can uh, justify ju- justify and evidence, you know, provide evidence. They'll they'll go in addition to the high miles, they'll go with that number. Every year I do that. And again, I might say $30, might say $50, but that's $30, 30 or $30, 50, you know. Correct. Uh, it'll help fill the gas tank. <laughs> sure. Um, so and then homeowners don't go cheap on homeowners. Uh, make sure you've got you've got the appropriate coverage. If necessary, get the flood coverage. I was about to say if I mentioned this to the last podcast, South Carolina had a flood back in '15, and we never nobody was prepared for that. And and I mean, it's candidly that was one of the first things I did when I joined SCRA. Our facility uh, right off of assembly there, assembly in Catawba, mm-hmm. did not have flood insurance. Wow! I said no. We're going to have flood insurance yeah, yeah. because that's a low-lying area. Sure, sure. There's there's potential there. Fortunately, we haven't been flooded, but 
I don't stay up at night either if there's a <laughs> if there's a storm that comes through. Right. So so those are all appropriate things, and then uh, I wanted to touch a little bit on Social Security. Okay. My understanding is your demographic is very young in right. the 30s, the mid 30s. Uh, they may be looking at Social Security and saying, "I'll never collect Social Security." That's not true, in my view. Of course, I probably won't be here when you all are collecting it. <laughs> we hope uh, you're still around. <laughs> I hope I am too, in one in one sense. But there will now will it be constituted differently? Will there maybe be a little older? I know it used to be sixty-five. My full retirement age is sixty-six and four months, wow. which will be this December. Uh, so they've changed that. They changed the amount that is being withheld. Right. Um, I'm not saying there won't be rules, changes, and things like that. But um, I think Social Security has become such an important part of, of people's retirement plan. It used to be considered sort of not the end-all and be-all. And actually, 401ks were viewed as sort of a supplement because most people had regular pension plans. Pension plans went the way of high button shoes. Right. They don't exist anymore. Right. And so really your 401k maxing that out and then Social Security. And I strongly encourage people not to take Social Security when they're 62. Gotcha. Um, I've had I've had brothers that I encourage them not to do that. They they didn't have a financial reason for doing it, but they said, oh, it's not going to be around. I'm going to take it. Finally, I just said, I'm so glad you took it early. That's going to leave more for me because <laughs> yeah. you have full retirement age every month. Or I'll just say it in terms of every year, every year that you wait after that, you get an 8% bump right. on your payment. Okay, Getting a guaranteed 8% return is pretty terrific. Yeah, And so definitely waiting and... And by the way, by by waiting between age 62 and in my case, 64 and four months, that's a 25%. I'd be take I would have taken a 25% haircut for the rest of my life wow. by taking it early. So it doesn't make any sense to take it early. And Social Security really is the annuity that makes sense. Right. And and I'll I'll finish with this comment. Annuities be extraordinarily careful. <laughs> Okay. about annuities. At the end of the day, an annuity is a guaranteed rotten return. Gotcha. It's guaranteed. Sure. It's an annuity, but it's a sub-market return. Uh, definitely won't keep up with inflation today. And I'm not saying it's always wrong to have an annuity for some they like that security of, I know I'm going to get this much every month. There's a value in that. Sure. But don't look at that as an investment. Right. I mean, look at it more as a security blanket or I'm supplementing. But really, your Social Security is your annuity. Sure. And then you've got your investments that are going to drive the returns that you really need. Right. Um, to to keep things keep things going. Because uh, some expenses go away after you retire, but if you like to travel, if, if the Lord puts it on your heart to do something uh, extraordinary for him, 
you want to have the resources to be able to do it. Hey, so. three things are guaranteed, life, death, and taxes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, anything else you'd like to add to what we discussed today in no. terms of budgeting, principles of money? I, I just I'll, always recognize the Lord owns it. Right. Um, and, and realize we need to answer to him. Be very careful when it comes to debt. Uh, make make sure the Lord gets gets the first fruits, as he as he said, um, and the focus should never be on money. It should be on what your your master wants you to do with it, the impact that it can have, um, and uh, doing doing something doing something positive. And the more flexibility you have financially, in other words, if you're not living hand to mouth. That provides the opportunity so when those situations arise and you can help someone or provide funds for, for an important project or whatever, you've got the flexibility to do it. Sure. As opposed to saying, oh, I wish I could do that. Sure. But I can't. Sure. All right. I appreciate that. Let's go back for a minute. Some people listen to this podcast. You may have been raised on Christian principles. You may not. Uh, acknowledge God or Christianity, but like I said, um, Mr. Searcy has a, a Christian background just like I do as well. Um, let's go more into that. It just kind of go in detail the, the Christian aspect of giving. So some people may not understand that as far as the take on the Christian view side. Sure. Um, if you can go a little bit more in detail on that before we get out. Sure. Off here. Sure. Well, it starts with the tithe, sure. the 10%. That belongs to him. And there's a verse in Malachi that says, will you rob God? You've robbed God because you've withheld tithe and offering. Right. So not giving the tithe and offering is robbing God. I don't think anybody wants to be in a position where they're robbing God. Sure. Um, and, and so that, that's, where, that's where it starts. Beyond that, um, and, and at, at Christ Center, our, our pastor, Scott Smith, um, has, has shown the way as it relates to missions because we, we have the opportunity to affect what's going on here in Richland County, in the Midlands, maybe in South Carolina. But there are people, we've, we've got some tremendous missionaries in the Ukraine sure. that are, are preaching the gospel, that are sharing the truth, right. and they are in uh, dire straits and um, providing funding, regular funding, uh, to, to missions. For example, um, my, what touched my heart uh, is are missionaries in Cuba. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm, I give regularly, or Debbie and I, my wife and I give regularly to support that cause. And that's just a commitment, just like tithe and offering, that is right off the top. There's sure. no question that's going to happen. If something else happens, we're going to have to cut back here, cut back there. But we're not, we're not going to touch that. Sure. Um, and then as, as circumstances arise, um, perhaps there's a situation in, in, the, in the church or someone that you know. I know Christ Center has a benevolence fund 
that uh, has been very powerful and effective in, in being able to help people that are in, in dire situations. And so I think, again, when you realize that he owns it all right. and that we are to answer to him, I mean, we, we pray about these things too. There might be a, a special offering or something that that we'll we'll pray about. And if the Lord lays it on our heart, we had a we had a drive where um and praise the Lord where our mortgage is paid off. Good. Good for um, you. For, well for Christ Center. I'm oh, talking yeah. I'm talking yeah. about church, church. And, and Christ Center. And um and so that was something that we prayed about in terms of what can we do above and beyond to help help accelerate that. Sure. And you cannot give God. Sure. So uh, but, but again, the motive is just being obedient to him and realizing that he owns it. And if he directs it, that, that's what you want to do. Um, and the other thing, and this is, this is definitely a, a Christian principle, and this is something my wife had from the start and I had to learn. And that is an open hand can receive as well as give. Right. A closed hand can do neither. Wow. And so if if my hand is closed and I'm not willing to give, I'm also not going to be a recipient. Right. But if my hand is open, not with the motive of receiving, but with the motive of giving, the Lord inevitably sure. give, gives back. Sure. So again, motives are really important. Right. Um God cannot be manipulated. Right, right. <laughs> he owns it all. He knows our, our the end from the beginning. Um, but doing things, his he honors his word. That's right. You do things according to the word. Right. Um, you 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 will you will be blessed. And ult ultimately, obviously, obedience to the gospel is the most important thing. But uh, finances are are also sure. very essential. And, you know, I, I'm not the most spiritual person, but I think me and you can both agree. I've never known one horror story of person who did not give. It's, it's, you've, you're always blessed when, when you give. Um, so I, I definitely attest to what you're saying there. Um, I think it's going to wrap it up. Anything else you want to add? I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Love the dialogue. Have a tremendous amount of respect for you. Um, pray for your safety, the work that you do. I know this is a hobby and, and you're very good at it, uh, but the work that you do protecting us um, is amazing. And uh, again, pray for your safety. Those of your colleagues, uh, very appreciative of, of everything that, that you do. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this. Um, if you like what you heard, please share with your family, friends and coworkers, like I reiterated in the introduction. Uh, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Keep sending me those pictures of the shopping carts. I have not received a picture yet of anybody reporting a pothole. So if you see a pothole, please send me a picture of the pothole. I will report it to SCDOT. We will get those turned in. Uh, let's give a shout out one more time to uh, Staley, the invisible man who does the audio and keeps this thing going for your entertainment and turns my ums and all my mistakes into your listening entertainment. Um, remember, support your truckers, support your first responders, uh, buy American-made products if possible, and tell law enforcement thank you when you see them. And we will see you on the next episode. Y'all be blessed. Take care. Bye. 
Thank you very much for listening to the show. You survive. Apply if necessary. Remember to put your shopping cart back where it belongs. Re-rack your weights. And don't be a lab rat. And no is still an answer. We'll see you on the next episode. Until then, be blessed.